Welcome to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, your home for everything related to marathon canoe racing. Now, it's time to get your paddles wet with your hosts, Kevin Olson and Bill Mahaffey. Take it away, boys. Welcome back, race fans, to another episode of the Canoe Race World podcast. I am here tonight with my co-host, Rebecca Davis. Rebecca, how are we doing tonight? Great. I'm so excited. I have my longest paddle pre-Clinton behind me, so I'm looking forward to like a somewhat easier weekend this <clears throat> upcoming weekend before we head into ra- like official race season. Gotcha. We have to be like in like taper mode now as we approach the Clinton, right? Uh, depending how much racing you plan on doing this spring, potentially, uh, if you're one of the, one of the people in a little bit less race heavy areas of the country, you might be able to get a couple more really nice long paddles in, but I think most of us here and our guests today are, are probably, uh, looking forward to pretty much racing between now and then. Right on. And who do we have for guests today? Uh, sitting right next to me, I have the famous Danny Paddle. Danny Medina is here um, to talk about some racing in Texas. And then I also have probably my favorite guest, um, my husband, Mike Davis, who is here to walk us through um, the racing coming up uh, leading into Canton. Yeah, right on. Champion uh, of, the, of the C1 world, Michael Davis, right? That guy? Do we have the right one? Yeah, that's the guy. I'm that guy. That guy. That's awesome. You get a jacket for that. It's pretty sweet, man. Wait, well, hey, thank you, Danny. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate both of you joining us. Danny, the night race, right? Both of us just got back from the night race. Tell me about your race, man. Walk me through everything. Walk me through your Texas experience. Oh, man, our race was was really great. The start was pretty wild. As you know, you were there. We started, they actually started this race in three heats. They started, you know, there was a, a class that started at 5.30 for the newer people that that are going to take a little longer. And then a cl- heat started at 6.30 for the people that are kind of in the middle, but who don't want to be out there till 2 in the morning. And then there's the 7.30 start, which is like the the front of the pack fast boats. Yeah, that's and the there were probably. What do you think was on that line with us, Bill? About forty boats. Man, 30, I would thirty maybe. I would guess somewhere right around thirty. And for those of you that aren't aware, when he says that line, it's not a very big area, right? How would you describe that, Danny? How big is that area? Probably about thirty feet wide. There's current going through there, so there's not really uh you can't really stop and sit on a line. Everyone's just drifting forward until they tell us to go. For sure. Yep. There's there's all kinds of boats. Big six man boats, C twos, solo kayaks, everything. And you kinda gotta know your your place on the line. Big boats usually start toward the front. I raced with Cecily, my girlfriend, and we were in a C2. We we might have been a little ambitious with our start. We started in the second row. I believe you were pretty close to us, Bill. 
we we were there's actually video out there wade bending has a fantastic video if you get a chance find his youtube he's got it uploaded but there's a brief moment where on the start before the gun goes off you can hear my voice go oh explicitive you're putting us right (laughs) in the middle of this Uh, and it was joking but it was like yes it was you got to go for it on a start you absolutely have to go for it yep yeah, we started by a, a six-man boat, too, and they they were just putting off the biggest wave, and we could not get over it. At one point, I was drawing on the, on the right side, and Cecily tells me, pull right! And I'm, I have the, the rudder in on the right, and she tells me it again, and I say, I'm expletive trying! <laughs> this wave is just so big that... That no matter how hard I rudder, it's just barely even keeping us even. Yeah, no, it, it was insane. It was quite the start. So for our start, like, and, and you know mm-hmm. roughly where we were in the pack, the wave caught us and pushed us up on that sandbar to the right side, which is a very bad thing, I found out. If you're in an ICF tandem unlimited boat with a rudder that happens to kick up, when that happens and all of a sudden you just have no rudder and it's like oh uh uh-oh now what (laughs) and so this race you guys said you started both at 7 30 it's 25 miles right so is that three four five hours depending on the current or yeah the winners did it in about three hours and 20 minutes i think i have the results right here the winners the winning boat of Jason Cade, William Russell, Nick Walton, and Dodd Yeager did it in three hours and four minutes. Wow. And I, I, I think uh, most of our listeners should know this, but in Texas, pretty much anything goes as far as boat design up to six. And uh, you can switch between double and single blade. Um, so that's a strategic decision that a lot of the teams are making. So I believe the first few boats in this race were um, multi-seat, so more than two. And uh, I think they were both switching between singles and doubles. Yeah, they, they were, absolutely were. And you nailed it. it uh, when you say anything goes, that's the cool thing about Texas is that they <laughs> race a variety of paddle craft down there in both techniques, in single and in double blade. My, my only regret is that I got my crash course in double blading like at noon before the race started. I, I wish I would have been more proficient in that. I, I got to ask, there's one really wicked portage, Danny. Did you go right or did you go left? We went on the left. Okay, you went left. Very good. Was that a strategic decision or just, uh, hey, you weren't feeling the right? Or I have done the right side portage before, just like in practice. And it's it's always just been a really hard takeout for me and and her. She knows better than me. But the the left side was just kind kind of more of a sure thing, which actually when we were getting out, there was a, an aluminum boat there that started in one of the earlier starts and they couldn't seem to get their boat up on the there's a dock that you take out on. They couldn't seem to pull their boat out of the water onto the dock. So we had to kind of jump in the water and make our way around them. <laughs> work, work around, isn't, eh? Isn't this portage, like, at a strategic point pretty close to the end? Yeah, right? it's about a mile and a half before the end. 
So, Bill, what did you decide to do at this uh, this uh, sounds like jungle portage? So, so we went right. I mean, I have uh, I have to hand it all to Shannon. She walked me through the right portage as we're paddling up to it. And I kept thinking that I heard voices in front of me, but I wasn't 100 percent sure. Hey, maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. Well, as we're pulling up and we can finally see the dam, I'm like. There's a light on shore just getting out of the water. And in that moment, I knew that we had to go right. It's like an 83 step maneuver to go right. Okay, you have to use a stirrup and kind of pull yourself up on a tree root. Uh, Good pull up skills, which I don't have, but somehow I pulled it off. Your partner then lifts the bow of the boat up this, uh, I'd say probably six, eight foot kind of sheer wall. You grab the bow of the boat and start dragging it to an equally treacherous put in on the other side. Um, But it's an incredible, incredible time saver if you can execute it properly. Shannon walked me through the whole thing before we even got there. So I had an idea how to do it visually. We ended up passing a Texas foreman right in that moment. It was a it was a highlight of my trip, man. It was awesome. That's great, Bill. So back to our race. I'll walk you through our our race after the start. Once we got by the six man, they actually ended up getting back up with us and they got ahead of us for a little bit. And then we got caught by a tandem. I believe they were in a Patriot, a Spencer Patriot, just a tandem, a Texas tandem boat has a rudder. They were paddling with double blades. We rode them for a little bit, and we were able to work our way back up to the six-man, who we eventually passed and dropped. And then the ICF dropped us for, once again, a little bit. Oh, man, the, the Lions just selected Aiden Hutchinson in the draft. I'm sorry. <laughs> Michigan, man. <laughs> it's okay, man. That's awesome. That's good. We love it. Anyways. Coming at you live. Yeah, you heard it here first. <laughs> yep. Anyways, we dropped the six-man boat, or the, the tandem boat, I'm sorry. We were just kind of by ourselves. We were we were happy with our race, like how it was going. This is about two hours in, two and a half hours in maybe. We're just going along, and we can see some lights up there, and we're not too sure if it's like boats that we're racing against or boats that start started in the the earlier heats. So we're just just kind of doing our thing, and we get up to to one, and it's a three man boat that started in our heat. We were pretty happy about that, and we we rode them for a couple minutes, but we could tell that they that we were the faster boat that we had more left in the tank than them so we just kept kept moving and then about it was by the confluence which is about five miles before the portage which would be seven and a half miles from the end we caught one last solo boat and that that put us into ninth place overall we were the second c2 behind logan minor and westine and there were a couple other c2s Wade Binion and Jeff Glock, they were a couple minutes behind us. And then Lydia Hellscamp and Caitlin Miner, friend of the show, they were <laughs> they were in a C2, and they might have been like 15 minutes behind us. And not too far behind them were Sean Brabant and Clay Wyatt, who put a hole in their boat 
in the race and epic hole in the boat that sank at the finish line yeah they ended up sinking the boat at the finish well if you're gonna go out with a with a hole that's a good way to do it right have a good story so (laughs) yeah for sure for sure Hey, let's, I, I think we need to give a shout out to, to the second place overall boat. You know, first place overall boat was, was Cade, Russell, Walton, and, and Dodd Yager. The second place boat, very mentionable in that it was parents and their kids, right? In a six-man boat. So you had Chris and Kyle Isendorf, you had Gaston and Lily Jones, and then you had... For those of you that remember the episode we did of the people to watch in the paddling world in 2022, we had Addie Rolls with Ian in a six-man boat taking second overall in a very big, very crowded field. The sport is healthy with a strong future down in Texas. Yeah, I also want to throw out that Ian was fresh off of a sub-three-hour Boston Marathon coming into this race. So shout out to you, Ian. Right on, right on. No, so let's back up a little bit for the people that um, are sitting here going the confluence. Danny, walk me through the confluence. Oh, yeah. Um, so the race starts on the San Marcos River at Palmetto State Park. You paddle down to Gonzales. Well, Gonzales Dam just passed the dam. But um, shortly before that, the Guadalupe River flows into the San Marcos, and then it then becomes the Guadalupe. The first 90 miles of the safari is on the San Marcos, and then the confluence comes in of the Guadalupe, and then you're on the Guadalupe River. Right on, right on. So I um, I have a confession to make, right? It, it was windy the day of the night race, and I'm listening to people talk about the wind on the lake. And the wind on the lake. And I'm sitting here going, oh, man. I'm thinking wind on the lake. Like, I've been on Foot Pond when it was windy. Dear baby Jesus, this is it. This is the end of Bill. Scared to death. But it's not really a lake. It's more of a just like a flooded backwaters on a river, I guess, would be the best way to describe it. I didn't realize that. I was thinking, like, Michigan Lake. And it scared me half to death. Once I got there, I was like, oh, yeah. This is nothing. I'm all right. That's good. That's good then. I'm glad you were prepared for that that wind on the lake down there because that's something that I think in Michigan we lack a little bit is is being prepared for bigger water. But <laughs> it sounds like it wasn't too bad. Yeah. No. That's it. And I knew I had it because we, you know, we paddle Marguerite. We've had some rough water on foot, but you're absolutely right. In Michigan, when it's windy, a lot of times we'll just avoid the waves. Um, we, we kind of avoid obstacles, too. And um, all right, Danny, I got to ask, how many things did you hit in the river and how many times did you say it's fine? <laughs> Quite a lot. Um, so we borrowed a boat from a guy named David Ernest. Finished seventh place, by the way, with his partner, James Lowe. They were in a, a tandem. We borrowed the boat from him. And at one point, we hit something. And I said, Cecily, I think we're going to owe David money after this. <laughs> and we inspected the boat 
twice actually after the race and I couldn't find anything. But David, if you're out there listening and if you found something, send me a message and I'll I'll compensate you. Yeah, absolutely. I should probably like do this. I never really looked over the boat that we use that heavy afterwards, but yeah, we so again, this is the difference between Texas racing and Michigan racing is in Texas. They look at the obstacles and they just kind of smile. Right. It's not a big deal. You're you're going to do it. We're going in Michigan. We're like, oh, no, we can't do that. No, 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 no. It, it, it's totally different. Um, yeah, absolutely. Cecily's dad builds boats and he he prides himself on their ability to hit stuff. Literally was That's told that are known for. two days ago. I'm trying to get us a, a three or four man up here. And that's what somebody told me was if you want an indestructible boat, get a hold of Cecily's dad. <laughs> it's true. Cecily it's can true. probably tell the story better because she was there. But one time at the at the Safari Awards banquet, he carried the boat on stage and threw it down and stood on it and said, that's how a boat's supposed to be built. <laughs> that's that's awesome. So it is absolutely awesome. Hey, they have a they have another big race coming up here in a couple weeks down in Texas, right? Yeah, there it's the Texas River Marathon or it's known as the prelim for the Texas Water Safari. Oh. The the finishing order determines the starting order for the safari. Now, which so stretch for, of the... Yeah, go ahead, Rebecca, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, for anyone thinking of this in terms of the Asable, this would be similar to the spikes of the Asable. Everyone's there. You get a pretty good feeling for... Uh, what are, which are the teams to watch in the safari? And if you don't show up, I think you start in the back, right? So it's yeah. pretty important that um, if if you think you've got a chance to win, you want to make sure you're at the prelim. Absolutely. What what stretch of river does this take part on? Take place on? It's uh, I can't tell you the exact points, but it's on the lower part on the Guadalupe. It's about a 35 mile race. It's pretty wide open, so pretty, pretty. You can get a pretty good idea of how fast you are compared to the other boats. Okay, so it's not a stretch that somebody can kind of fake it in, and you know, maybe creep up a little higher than what they should be. Exactly. Gotcha. That'll be a wicked race to follow, and that's um, bum bum bum. What two weeks from now? May seventh, I believe. Next weekend. Yeah, May 7th. So depending on when when people are listening, that's uh, the first Saturday in May. Uh, before that, I believe this uh, coming up weekend, which would be the 30th of May or of April, we have uh, the Ed Wessels taking place in New York, uh, also known as the Lower 35, if I'm not mistaken. So that's a a big race on the Susquehanna uh, leading into the Clinton and the most competitive uh, New York teams will all be there uh, racing, racing on the lower part of the course usually has a pretty good field. I think the, the teams in, in uh, the local teams that are looking at the top spots I've heard are uh, Patrick Madden and Ryan Zavarall are going to be testing out 
out the course. And I think they're going to have some pretty good competition. Uh, Matt Mearsman's heading out that way to race with Jake. How do you say Jake's last Kroetzer. name? Kroetzer. Just go with Kroetzer. Yeah, close enough. Yeah. Um, so that, that should be really interesting to see how those two teams stack up. I know Ed Curley and Phoebe Reese will also be racing. Probably not head-to-head against those guys exactly, but they're a mixed team to watch for for sure for the Clinton. So I think we're – I'm anxiously awaiting to see how those those race results turn out and to see what the water level is on race day. Yeah, we're finally going to get some, like, northern race results, right? So this is – really, this is where the – canoe racing season kind of kicks off for those of us not in texas blessed with that fantastic weather yeah we're hoping that uh danny here brought some of that warm weather with him because i'm pretty tired of paddling in snow maybe cecily will bring some in a couple weeks (laughs) (laughs) awesome awesome well hey let's jump into the next big race then after um Mr. C1 World Champion, Mike Davis, I assume you're going out to Canton, right, to defend your crown? Yes, that is the plan. Go out and uh, see what we can do in the C1 race, and then Rebecca and I will be racing the C2 race on Sunday to kind of see where we stack up heading into the General Clinton. So... One thing that's unique about Canton is it's only a couple hours from the the uh, Montreal and then just a little bit further from Schwinnigan. So you get almost all of the, the good Canadian paddlers come down and, and race. So you get a really good deep field. Uh, winning that C1 race is no joke. Um, Mike, how does that men's race stack up usually? It's very competitive. Um, you know, you get... Most of the uh, Triple Crown winners are usually there to race it. Um, and then, uh, you know, you uh, so you get, you know, some of the very best from uh, Quebec. And most of the New York paddlers are there. And then, uh, yeah, and then you get a handful of mission guys going out. Um, that number varies year to year because it is quite a travel for the Michigan paddlers. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's a pretty brutal uh, weekend for uh us being so far away but it's uh yeah yeah not like uh most uh most of the mcra c1 races it's it's um the course i think is 16 miles 14 miles miles. and uh it's uh probably about eight of it or so is on a pretty wide river um it's uh the the grass river and then uh and then yeah you get and then once you uh go off that big river the big river is uh it's pretty sucky and deep and uh then you go on to a smaller uh river for a few few more miles before the end but uh it uh but by the end the race is just over two hours for the winner usually now, now, Mike, is there a lot of, um, is this like a, a loop race? Like there's eight miles upriver, eight miles down, or I've seen some videos, so I kind of yeah. got a feel, but I don't completely, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, walk, so, walk us through um, the course, man. Yeah, just kind of taking a rough guess on distance. Um, 
it's it's probably eight miles looped uh so like four up four down on uh on uh the bigger river um that uh yeah like i said it's uh pretty pretty fast water but the river's uh so big you can't really tell how fast it's going so uh sure kind of just real important. It, it's real tricky because uh for most of it the river actually drops off pretty quick so uh you uh don't think it's quite so important to stay uh like right in on shore but it's like you still want to stay right on the edge like almost have your paddle like on, right. on the bank right on the bank stay right out of that current it's because yeah you just it's deceiving there's way more current than you think when you're paddling up um and then yeah so you do it's really you do a mile loop to start start downstream start go a mile turn a buoy up four. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'll help you out no, here. <laughs> go for it. So, yeah, up four miles, turn a buoy at the top, back down four-ish, and then you go up what's called the Little River. That's actually its name for a couple miles, turn a buoy, back to the confluence of the grass and the little, and then back up that last mile on the grass, which is like the killer um you you're just tired you've been out there for way longer than most c1 races even go and now you've got to do this upstream suck pull for the last mile well all i have to ask is is there in texas they gave us a fish fry after the race it was fantastic the people were friendly is there at least a fish fry at the end this sounds like a lot of hard work i think Um, they have a chicken dinner but we're always too late getting done <laughs> since all the chickens gone <laughs> yeah i don't recall ever taking part in the chicken dinner but i think it's always there but no right on now danny you've been to you've been obviously you paddled here in michigan you, you just got back from texas have you did canton out in out of new york have you did this race yeah i've i've done canton one time okay how would you describe was- to to the people of texas like how would you describe the canton water um it's it's hard um you get up upstream of the start and there's like a rock garden i remember it's been it's been a few years since i've done it now so my memory's a little hazy but i remember there being a rock garden and there's some like fast moving water through there and if you if you make the wrong move, you might get swept into a giant rock. <laughs> Does that sound right to you yeah, guys? Yeah, yes, that's a... absolutely right. <laughs> that's that's my key takeaway from my Canton experience is the giant <laughs> rock. I'm guessing it left a lasting impression on you. If that's what you remember, is the giant rock and don't die. Yeah, I wasn't a victim to it, but <laughs> I was definitely fearful. I think I'll take my chances with the gators and snakes down in Texas. Yeah, it's a Canton can be pretty wild. And if you have an off day there, you can really, really suffer. Um, Mike and I have gone, I think, probably the last five years they've had it. And it took him the the first three. He was in it until the last 45 minutes and just wasn't quite able to hang and ended up, I think, sixth, you know, in a in a pretty deep field i mean he'd been winning michigan races pretty consistently in each of those years and and didn't even get a top five finish so 
Um, talk a little bit about how that race usually breaks up on the men's side. Uh, yeah, so I guess it has a very interesting start. Um, they kind of get you lined up, you know, about 20, 30 yards above the actual starting line. And they kind of try and start you once everybody is pretty well lined up. So you have to make sure you're always in a good position um, as you're rolling down to the start line. And uh, it's uh, there's a lot of different strategies on what side of the river to pick. It's, uh, you know, one side's faster right at the beginning. And then, but it once you get maybe 100 yards downstream, it all comes back together because it's faster to be on the other side a little later on. But uh, you all go down and... Uh, like half a mile or whatever to the first buoy and it's pretty the initial start is really hard um and then after that it kind of lets up and everybody kind of rides and then once you get in good sight of that bottom buoy everybody takes off again (laughs) and because the buoy is uh pretty close it's a left-hand turn and it's real close to shore so positioning is very important because immediately after the buoy, there's about quarter mile section of just shallow, uh, maybe you know less than a foot deep suck water. Um, Ooh, yeah, and that's if you the drop first zone. through there and not get stuck in the waves, you can gain time right there, and uh, it usually breaks up right there pretty good. You know, you get like packs of like two or three boats, but they those packs spread out quite a bit. And then there's actually a, a sprint bonus for being first to back to the start finish line. So that is also makes the buoy that much more important. And uh, the crazy thing about it is so the, the race goes on and, you know, you paddle seemingly an hour upstream, you know, and it's probably 30 minutes or something. But uh, you're going up and the race kind of holds uh even like the gaps stay pretty even most of the way upstream um you know you got a couple boats here about 30 seconds back got a couple more maybe a minute back you got a few more but by the time you get to the end there's always a boat that was a minute or two back on that front pack that always comes up and makes a bid for uh like a top three finish it's usually ben schlimmer (laughs) <laughs> almost always bench slimmer but it's once you turn that first buoy or well the second buoy to go back down on the big river you look back and you're like oh we can kind of ride you know like that front pack will kind of ride each other you know play games on the way down and you know you don't think about it in the race but you know you're going to regret it later on because bench slimmer is going to be coming after you when you're on the little river <laughs> in the like the last 20 minutes of the race but so uh yeah um and then it it tends to break up again uh like the the packs start to break up usually once you get on the little river so it's really uh tight and twisty similar to the uh, ross common course Okay. Probably a little wider, but the turns are hard, like 180 turns like that. So it'll break up again a little bit there, typically. And then but. it has the absolute worst buoy turn known to <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, the buoys are very <laughs> They're just really We love hard. the race, but the buoys are poorly placed. They're never in, well, the 
they're they're, they're not in a good spot for the current. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you get the very best C1 paddlers paddling together. And if you watch a video of the buoy turn on the small river, you would think these people like th- it makes them look like they have no idea what they're doing in a C1. It's absurd. <laughs> that that is awesome. It's yeah. uh, but it's well, a super, it like... super strategic point though, because hitting that first, you just get a lot more leeway on how <laughs> to set up your turn, and if you're kind of like jammed in behind, you just kind of have to follow. That's that's exactly what I was gonna say. Is that sounds like a choke point that you want to be to first, right? Because otherwise, you're just stuck in the conga line. Yeah, absolutely, and. You either want to be first or you want to be not right on someone. Because let's say there's two, two, three boats going in it, to it together. You can gain time on teams there because if there's three boats trying to turn it, you know, pretty much at once, they all, you, you almost always have to back rudder on it. So two boats come to a stop. So you can kind of close a gap if you aren't being hindered by another boat, too, so... That's always okay. a little helpful. Right on. This is the stuff that we do really good on this show. Like, we are incredible at race preview. We haven't figured out race recap quite yet, but race preview we've got down pat. This is good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is good. We're we're getting better. Just everyone stick with us a few more weeks and we'll really have it down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we, ha- we haven't driven away yet. So, now this is, yeah, this and- is day one, right? Yeah, and we use the same course on day two. Um, I will say it feels, at least for me, a lot, in a lot of ways, easier because it ends up being shorter. The the women's C1, um, this is definitely a power course with that long upstream that's kind of sucky on the the larger river. Uh, It tends to favor the bigger, stronger paddlers. So women's C1, uh, even on a good day, is close to two and a half hours. Uh, so racing that C2, I've done it mixed and women's, but you just, you get a little bit more power in the boat, a little more speed. Um, so same course back to back, really a pretty long racing weekend. Um, and again, you get all, you know, all of those teams that are kind of vying for the top spots in the Clinton are, are pretty much there. Um, so that's, and we're all tired. <laughs> yeah, there, there's got to be a fatigue factor um, that comes into play. I would have to think on day two because I, for people that don't race C1, a C1 race here in Michigan, what's our longest? Probably Nuego? It's probably the Ross Common C1. Or oh, Nuego. yeah, Nuego. Nuego, yeah, right. probably an hour yeah. and a half. Yeah, but but Roscommon's probably harder and more exhausting in that you're packing paddling back up river, right? I mean that's a oh yeah, ish. absolutely. It's the upstream on the second half, and the 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 technicality of the course. Right at, at Nuego, I can I can paddle hard on the pond, I can portage well, and then I can fake it after the portage. You can't fake it at Roscommon. Well, Bill, you can't fake it at Nuego. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe you can't. That, that, that race is, uh, that's a tough course. <laughs> e. 
I just, all right, maybe I don't fake it. Maybe I just mail it in there. I'll say it. It's a hard course. There's a lot Sorry, of shallow. I don't mean to call yeah. you out here. But. There's a lot of shallow hard water there. It is, yeah. But you will eventually get to the end, even if you stop paddling. That is true. Yes, yes <laughs> There's exactly. There's a lot of taking you there. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so uh, Canton is one to look forward to for sure. And the results, that'll be a good, really good preview for the Clinton. Um, I'm looking forward to on the women's C1 side, I believe or we should, if everyone shows up and is healthy, have probably the largest women's field, uh, pro women's field that's been at Canton this year. Um, we're looking to have somewhere between eight and 10 women's C1s. And uh, that also translates well into a good women's Clinton in the C2. A lot of those ladies are pairing up together. And uh, that's actually something really cool. Um, I believe Holly Reynolds kind of opened that up for us. Uh, The women used to not race the pro race. And she decided uh, probably 10, 15 years ago now that she wanted to see how she'd stack up against the guys. And it ended up bringing a lot of women there to race. So it's really expanded the C1 field. And um, something I think is really cool just to see how everybody's working to to have us represented yeah right on i didn't know that that's a interesting fact that you know prior to holly it didn't happen yeah it's and you know there's a lot of work uh, people are doing all over the place to expand c1 racing it doesn't usually get a big feature event canton the c1 race is the the main event uh, more prize money and probably more boats um in it uh, in the C1. There's two packed heats in the C1, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's really cool to see. And they have really done a lot to equal out their women's prize purse and bring more women in to compete, which is a trend I think we're seeing through all the racing uh, across the country and in Quebec. So that's a, that's another good benefit. And I think getting everyone together, like, it's awesome this podcast tonight, we've got, you know, you guys raced in Texas. Mike and I are going to New York. Uh, you know, we're racing in Michigan. Guys in Quebec are getting together, doing lots of good training leading into the season. And it looks like it's going to be a good one. Yes, it does, for sure. I think it's going to be a great one. Well, on that note, why don't we wrap it up here? Mike, Danny, thank you for joining us tonight. It's been fantastic. Rebecca, as always, I appreciate you here to uh, keep me on point. Um, Until next time, everybody, keep the round side down. Keep your paddles wet. Thank you for listening to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, where we love marathon canoe racing and aren't afraid to say it. Be sure to visit the website at CanoeRaceWorld.com. And don't forget to support our sponsors who make this whole thing possible. Until next time, keep paddling.